Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. Now I'm going to lead us through our scripture reading for the morning. Uh, this is from 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. It's a pleasure to be able to teach through the word of the Lord. And it's a passage like this that makes us appreciate the lectionary. And as a church, as we follow the lectionary and as we settle into this season of Epiphany, uh, the lectionary brings us passages and over the balance of our years walks through scripture. And so we come upon this chapter in 1 Samuel that uh, in many ways is a lesser known story, but it, it uh, elevates several really important ideas uh, that I believe the Lord has for us this morning. And in many ways, we pick up where Jordan left off last week. If you remember, last week, Jordan uh, taught through the Epiphany and the Magi coming to initially Jerusalem looking for this new king and, and they assumed that the king would be born into the palaces into the traditional seats of power But instead they're redirected away from seats of power to the simplicity of a stable and we were challenged to think through uh, What does that look like in our lives? Well this lectionary passage in many ways reinvites us through another vignette to consider the upside-down kingdom of God, one that challenges our assumptions, not unlike the Magi, but rather than thinking about places of power, we're given a narrative that challenges our assumptions around position and piety and professional work. 
within the church? And who does the Lord use for his mouthpiece of proclamation? And so uh, we look at this passage from Samuel together. And in many ways, this is the origin story of Samuel. As we read through scripture, we see that he becomes the mighty prophet, the one who anoints Saul, the one who designates David. But we find him as a baby boy. We find him as one who is born to a mother grieving her barrenness. And as uh, he is born, he is dedicated into service at the temple. And so the story picks up. We don't know how old he is, but we know that he's been weaned. But we also know that he, he does not yet know the Lord. He's a young boy serving the temple. In many ways, Samuel here in this passage, he's an errand boy for Eli, the priest the professional religious leader, the one who has been given the mantle of pastoring this people, the revered one, the wise one within the community. And then we have Samuel, who is likely sweeping floors, who is likely cleaning up, and who is the errand boy. And it's this boy that the Lord chooses. Embedded amongst the professional priests and the religious elite of the community, the Lord calls the name of Samuel. And Samuel is confused, undoubtedly, um, but my sense is this might not have surprised his mother. If he's old enough to write letters home and describe his experience at the temple, it seems that she knew that there was something about this boy. Up until now, he, rather than pursuing a professional passion of the Lord, he really, he's, he's being obedient to mommy. As he's born, she dedicates him to life in the temple, and he's there doing his duty but her identity, what she sees in him, and the identity she gives him through his name is one that we see played out. For in Hebrew, as we understand the name of Samuel, it's Shaman Yuel. And Shaman is this idea to hear or to listen to El, the generic word for God. And so she names him the one who hears, the one who listens to the Lord. And as a little boy, he goes about being obedient to mom, doing his work in the temple. And we see this prophecy come to him in this passage. And it's before Samuel's realization of his role, before his inauguration into the role of listening prophet, we see him, who in many ways mirrors the call of John the Baptist in the New Testament, we see him ultimately set up to play that role in the Old Testament, but this is before that. This is before any of it where he's the errand boy for Eli. And so that's where our story picks up. And it picks up with the word of the Lord coming to his people, something that was rare in the day, something that was not typical. And we wonder who it comes to. Does it come to the professional? Does it come to the one who's on staff, the one who's been trained, gone to seminary, grown up in the religious system? No, it comes to a confused little boy who can't seem to get to sleep at night. How many times have we sent our little ones back to bed when they come into our bedroom and say, Mommy, Daddy, I can't sleep. And so we see Samuel coming here to Eli saying, I can't sleep. Did you call me? And Samuel says, no, son, go back to bed. No, go back to bed. How many times, perhaps even last night, have 
we sent our children back to bed as they've come to our bedside. But we see that happen here. We see the Lord reveal himself, give a gift to Samuel, an introduction of himself through relationship and through a closeness of proximity. And Samuel is given a word. He's given a word from the Lord. And while there's much to say about the discipline of learning to hear from the Lord, of training in listening to the Lord and practicing that what we see in this is that the Lord isn't dependent upon a spiritual skill set. He's not dependent upon a competency that we have built within us, that when the Lord, the word of the Lord goes forth, it does its work. And in this story, he speaks not to the elders, not to the wise, but to the youngest, to perhaps the most unlikely in the congregation. And so we see the gift of presence coming to the unlikely. And that's the theme we continue with this week. What does it look like for the Lord to come to the unlikely and to use the unlikely to speak truth to those who are in power? In this narrative, the most likely prophet, the professional priest, not the one the Lord uses, but instead the lowest on the totem pole, the youngest of the servants and the assistants, the children in our midst. And may I be bold to wonder if at times the real work that the Lord is doing in the life of the parish doesn't happen in the 10 o'clock or the 10.30 to 11.30 service. That what if the word of the Lord is coming to those kids who are giggling on the 10 o'clock call and the Lord is speaking to those that perhaps we set aside and say, we're going to do a call for you outside of the real service. And what does it say to us who are on staff on who the Lord might be using. And so it was the child in their midst that the Lord uses for his mouthpiece. And so we look at Eli's response. Eli responds to this, and perhaps it mirrors our response, where we initially fail to see the speaking of the Lord in our midst, because he's using the untrained, the immature, but the attentive ears that are among us. See, Eli, he's initially dismissive, not in an unkind way. He's gentle about it, but he says, son, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And what of us as parents and what of us as teachers and pastors and leaders position ourselves into the story and think that we are the ones that call and we are the ones that direct? And if we haven't called them, well, then by, by no means are they called, so we send them back to bed. Perhaps we've all played this role of Eli, or maybe it's a child or an untrained or irreligious or, or undisciplined receiver, and the Lord speaks to them, but we ignore the message because of the conduit that it comes through. And our dismissals may be kind and they may be loving, but what if we we're dismissing the Lord's mouthpiece that comes through our children or through the unlikely in our midst? After all, they're not as mature, they're not practiced, they're not pious. They're not religiously articulate. That's who we expect to hear from. The Lord uses a different pathway for his proclamation. And so we see that in Eli, perhaps something that we can model. 
Eli with dim eyes, in his wisdom, in his age, realizes that while rare, perhaps the Lord is speaking in their midst. That the word is not dead, and he becomes curious. And what does curiosity look like for us who have walked with Jesus for a long time? Have we constructed mental models of how God speaks? Have we created boxes for how the Lord will share to us? Eli certainly had, it seems. But the old man becomes curious, and he says, what if the Lord is speaking? And, and we see him begin to do the work of apprenticing young Samuel. Rather than send him away once again, he gives him language. He gives him a posture. He gives him invitation for what it would look like, not just to hear the voice of God, but to listen to the voice of God. And so we say, well done, teacher Eli, for not dismissing, but for being curious to give a pathway for Samuel, not just to serve through duty in the temple, but to commune with the Lord through his word and presence. And so he gives him this breath prayer, one that we'll be invited into today, where he says, all right, when you hear the Lord, here's your posture, here's your language. He says, speak, your servant is listening. And so Samuel, the most unlikely in the temple, receives the word of the Lord and is given not only the capacity to receive it, but the courageous competency to then communicate it. Because what happens when you do receive the word of the Lord? The weight and the burden of hearing from the Lord, of listening to the Lord. And what does this young boy do? What can he be expected to do, this young boy? Because in the text we receive that the word that was given to him was not a simple encouragement, it was not a psalm to share. It was a judgment to proclaim to his mentor, to his pastor, to his priest, to Eli. And so to understand this, we have to go back into chapter 2 and recognize uh, the life in the temple. And so I challenge you to go back, read about Eli, read about his sons. But in summary, essentially it says that Eli's sons were scoundrels. May we never be called scoundrels by the Lord, but they were scoundrels for they were stealing from the offerings. It was almost like they were at the Golden Corral with, with one of those telescoping forks. And as they walked through the smorgasbord, they would pick up from the offerings and eat it and pick up from the offerings and eat it. And, and this was detestable unto the Lord. Somewhat comical, but detestable to the Lord. But even more so, we see... Eli's sons using their positions of prominence and power within the religious system to serve as sexual predators for the women that were coming into the tent of meeting. And the Lord speaks to Samuel, this young boy. He says, give this message to Eli that your stealing, sexually predative sons are going to be the downfall of you and your household and this boy is told to deliver that message. A message that we would say is far too mature, far too grievous for a boy to communicate. And the Lord says, no, not the mature, 
but this boy will be my mouthpiece for judgment and ultimately for reconciliation. And so we see how does Samuel respond to this? Little boy Samuel, what does he do? The Lord speaks to this immature, untrained, unknowing young boy and asks him to communicate the sentence of judgment on Eli and his household and with reluctance and with fear that Samuel brings this message to Eli. And we're told he was afraid to communicate what the Lord had said, but he does it anyway. And it's not with fire and with fury and with condemnation, but what Samuel does is he speaks, he doesn't couch the truth, he doesn't spin the judgment sentence. We're told that Samuel, in his fear to tell the vision to Eli, told him everything and hid nothing from him. He didn't manipulate the message. He didn't give it softer edges. He gave it in the fullness of truth and in obedience that so often the children among us, not having this, uh, this maturity to try to smooth out these edges, comes and delivers what's been given to him in obedience. And the beautiful part is that this boy leads in many ways to the repentance of the priest. And so we see Eli's response. Eli's response to the prophetic word given to the unlikely in its in his mists. And so how does Eli respond when a little boy, think about this, think about the apprentice that you are training right now, that first person on the job, that third grader in your classroom, that eight-year-old who's spilling syrup all over your kitchen table, when they bring you a word of judgment or a word of conviction, what is your response? Do we try to couch it and contextualize it, or do we allow it to come to us as if it were from the Lord? And Eli does this. He says to the young boy, Samuel, this is of the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. This is of the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And, and ultimately, this is our takeaway. This is where we end. We see an invitation to see the Lord at work in the most unlikely of people and unlikely of places. And we challenge whether you're a parent, whether you're a mentor, whatever your role, that perhaps we have eyes to see where the Lord might be using the unlikely within our congregation, within your community, your neighborhood, your workplace to be speaking truth into your life and our lives communally. Who are the unlikely, who have the sweet capacity and the competency to be listening and challenging the Spirit of the Lord? Are they the ones on the kids' call on Sunday morning? Are they the middle schoolers who are trying to hide off camera during our Zoom call because they don't want to be seen, but the Lord might be using them to speak to their parents or to us? Do they even log on to Zoom in this season? Who might the Lord be using? And so we walk away from this with two breath prayers. And they're not just prayers for our youngest ones, they're prayers for all of us, for the wise and the simple, for the young and the old, for the disciplined and for the gangly here. The first, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
In our times of confusion this week, as we try to grapple with what do we see in television images and talk radio commentary, what if we ask the Lord, speak, your servant is listening. I come without agenda. I come without problem solving. I come to listen and be in your presence. We challenge one another to pray this in our breath, in our frustration, in our wondering, in our curiosity this week. Speak. Lord, your servant is listening. And if we pray that, if we have the courage to pray that, may we have the boldness to walk in what the Lord will give us. First, we ask of the Lord. He is faithful to give us himself through his spirit and through his word. But what if that word that comes to us is hard to bear, is convicting to us in our places of power, of influence, of quote-unquote wisdom, and so we offer a second breath prayer, and it's this, you are Lord, do what seems good to you. May we sit in an indifference that says, you are Lord, do what seems good to you. That we would see the unlikely in our midst. That we would pray the Lord would speak to us, his servants. And then we would have the courage and the conviction through the Holy Spirit, to declare, Lord, do as what seems good to you. And this is what brings us to the table. We come to our table together as those who recognize our need for a Savior. We see the Eli in ourselves in this story, and we see a good Father who invites presence and invites us to join him around the table.